0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 21 Questions.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of 21 Questions, the Question and Answer podcast brought to you by the good people of the KCSN Discord. My name is Craig Stout. I am joined by a special guest this week, 810 Sports' very own Jason Anderson. Jason, my friend, I'm so glad to, A, have you on the show, and B, I get to host for once and ask you the questions. This is this is a little bit of a flip from our
2: normal uh, situation that we got going here. I like the roles reversed a little bit. Let's uh, let's yeah. see how this works out. I'm so used to asking you the questions and everything. Now I just get to sit back and see what's thrown my way. Sometimes yeah. it's easier knowing what the questions are going to be, and I'm like, all right, we'll see what Craig has to say. I don't know, I'm a little more nervous on this side. No, no, it's going to be great. We're just going to
1: terrorize you for about 40 minutes here. And <laughs> Perfectly then, fine. Oh, Brookyo does it just... every day for four hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's <laughs> true. You know, we're, we're so thankful that he has now joined us so that yeah. we can sufficiently dunk on him and still have him be able to defend himself on the podcast right. network. So right. I'm yeah. very glad that that's the case. So we are going to go ahead and kick this off. We are recording this on Monday. Uh, This is going to come out potentially after the trade deadline. So a couple questions here. You can use this as a little bit of a retroactive thing here. But one of them they got asked by Grayson Jaspers was, how do the Chiefs waiting to fill Nick Bolton and Justin Ross's roster spots make you feel
2: about their willingness to make a trade before the deadline, Jason? I think it's interesting that uh, that part of it to where they only had 52 players on Sunday against the Broncos. I mean, you only activate 47, but they didn't, you know, get that extra man up to the 53rd man roster. And I wonder if, is that a salary cap thing? You know, uh, Brett Veach always needs a little bit of space throughout the season. It's like you're never going to be at the ceiling of the salary cap because one of the things that I've called it is you got to be able to keep the lights on throughout the season. So you elevate somebody from the practice squad. You got to pay that money. And So a couple of things. One, they're conserving a little bit of money uh, on that 53-man roster. Maybe they didn't want to waste somebody's uh, call-up from uh, the practice squad if they weren't really going to play them all that much. Um, or there's just sort of a, a seeing what's out there for that uh, final spot, uh, final couple of spots really on this roster. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think it's intriguing in that they didn't immediately fill that spot because Nick Bolton on the IR and Justin Ross on the commissioner's exemplus those didn't happen like on a Saturday night. Like those no. things happened, and you had a little bit of time to sort of uh, you know think about it for a few days. So that clearly was strategic in them only going with 52 mid. And and now with the trade deadline tomorrow, uh, I think there might be some ancillary moves that they can make, some smaller ones here or there. Uh, but you know, with the three-and-change uh, cap space that they have, the potential ability to restructure Travis Kelsey to free up a little bit more, um maybe this will be famous last words and somebody will be watching this and be like that idiot uh, yeah. but I don't see a big move uh being made uh for you know wide receiver which you know a, a lot of people want um you know with, with different names that are out there um maybe DeAndre Hopkins just because it won't cost as much but um uh, that's really the one that comes up but I think it's interesting and I think it's certainly something extra to keep an eye on with the trade deadline tomorrow because they haven't yeah,
1: it's really weird, and there were some rumors that maybe the Chiefs are sniffing around Ben Neiman today that maybe makes some sense with Willie Gay Jr. having a tailbone injury against yeah. the Broncos. Like, having a guy that just knows the system, and you know, anybody that you're going to be adding is going to take a little while to come up, Ben Neiman probably doesn't. So, like, yeah, it, it, yeah, it makes some sense there, but I'm, I just, I'm unsure, because... The other part of this, and I, you know, we don't have another question about this, so I'll just bring it up now. Richie James reportedly, Mm -hmm. you know, seeking out a trade as well. There's not a roster crunch. It's not like when Richie James comes back from the IR that all of a sudden they've got to make a corresponding move here. Like there's roster spots Mm -hmm. available, and he's quote unquote, you know, this is agent speak, healthy for another team. It is the way that it was phrased there. So, I look at this a little bit as, well, Jason, and they don't have to make a move. If Richie James is looking to be out, and again, it could just be a logjam at the position, Mm -hmm. that's a difficult thing for me to look at and say, okay, so what are they doing with those positions? Like, what are they doing with those two spaces? Because Richie James could just be on this roster. Yeah. What his contract is. He doesn't have to go actively seek something out. And that report today, that perked my ears just as much as the fact that they hadn't filled those
2: two roles, Jason. Yeah, because, like, if Richie James... Uh, if, if, if what happened last Monday didn't happen yeah. and Justin Ross is not on the commissioner's exemplist and the news comes out today that Richie James and and they're exploring a trade. Okay. Makes sense. You yep. have Cole Hardman in, you got seven guys, but with Justin Ross and the unknown of what's going to happen there, I mean, there's a court date in December. That's a, you know, five, six weeks away from, um, from today. So who knows what's going to take place with that. And with Richie James, then maybe getting traded. Now you're talking about six guys on a roster and, you know, do they go seven or do they typically just go with what their typical numbers might be with six? And they go, okay, these, you know, it's sort of like in, in baseball, in in uh, spring training, when it's like, well, you got like seven guys who could be starting pitchers. Well, we'll see how spring training goes. And those things will sort of, you know, um, work it work themselves out. And, you know, you've got seven guys. And now throughout the season, maybe it's worked itself out to now you move forward with six. Without Richie James, without Justin Ross, Richie James maybe brings something back. I don't know if it's like a McCole Hardman where it's a sixth for a seventh, and you know you you get a little bit of cap space or whatever for uh, for Richie James. But it's kind of redundant now with uh, James with McCall Hardman on the team. So it'd just be exchanging you know six in one hand, half dozen in the other uh, for this. It's sort of like the the Spider Man meme, just pointing back to each other, yeah. James and McCall yeah. Hardman right now. So I don't know that they want two of those same guys that have that same skill set. They're going to bring somebody in. I would guess they're looking for something different, especially since Richie James wasn't like wowing everybody no. with his pump or no, he wasn't. His
1: ability. Or wide receiver ability, so yeah, they, I don't you know, know. and that—that's kind of the thing there. It, we'll just kind of roll this into what um, what Arrow asks here. On a more serious note, he first just asked Sky Moore with a question mark, like that was it. <laughs> that was his question.
2: <laughs> Sky Moore, I love that question. Yeah, I know Sky Moore but, question mark,
1: but yeah, but he <laughs> says on a more serious note, is this truly a receiving core that you believe that the Chiefs can win
2: a Super Bowl with? I think it is, and. The reason I think it's a receiving core they can win a Super Bowl with because of the other parts on the team outside of the receiving core. If it was just the receiving core and they were only relying on Patrick Mahomes to go and make plays and the offensive line was struggling and the defense was giving up 25, 30 points per game, and it's like, you know, you've got Kelsey who's, you know, showing his age a little bit and Patrick Mahomes is not infallible. He is not perfect. And if that was the case, then yeah, I would say that there is an issue at uh, wide receiving core that's going to be a fatal flaw that they won't win the Super Bowl with the guys they have there. But the defense is really good. And even in a game in which they gave up 24 points, maybe it's got to be frustrating in the defensive film room to know that 24 points were hung on the board. And you gave up 104 yards on those four drives total for 24 points. Just 26 yards per drive. For 24 points. It's, it's unbelievable. So that defense is really good. The offensive line, I think, has given Patrick Mahomes enough time to throw. Um, Isaiah Pacheco is what he is. Jared McKinnon is what he is. Um, you know, if, if I had my druthers, I, I would love for them to go and find a guy who's just got blazing speed as a running back, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, is uh, Devin Achan, is he available? For, yeah. <laughs> for whenever he's healthy. You know, somebody like that. Uh, would be, would be great because they just don't really have that burst from a running back there. But as far as the wide receivers go, uh, I think they're good enough to win a Super Bowl. You're exchanging Juju Smith-Schuster with essentially you know Rasheed Rice from a year ago, and it's sort of the same group. So yeah, I think they're good enough to win a Super Bowl. The reason is because of the things around them. They are not good enough to be the reason they win a Super Bowl, there but they're know. good enough to be a team on a team that can win a Super Bowl. I
1: really like that answer. No, that uh, that's a that is an excellent answer. There it, it, they won't necessarily be so much of a hindrance that they cannot yeah. win a Super Bowl, but they're not going to be the reason that they yeah. win a Super Bowl in before Rishi Rice, Super Bowl MVP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think you says, so, so, Hey, I'm,
2: I'm here for it. I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I will eat my words all, all off. Yeah, again." Cranked out, signed off the, uh, off the couch. Super Bowl MVP. I'll take it just as long as it's somebody for the Chiefs that wins Super Bowl. No would no, it, no, no, Joe Dooney, Super Bowl MVP. Whoever listened that. Hell, he's Blaine the... Gabbard. I mean, I don't, I mean, you know, I mean, if, if, it's, a Super well, Bowl, if it. it's a Super Bowl MVP, it. it would suck for whatever happened at the time, you know, but if it's a Super thank Bowl MVP, you. I mean, I'll take it. Yes. It's another, man. another trophy.
1: Boy, we just put Andy, uh, he's already in the hall, but put him in the hall immediately no, if Blaine Gabbard is your Super Bowl MVP there. Isaac Hugh asked the question: "What's the most interesting talking point around this team that is not wide
2: receiver right now?" The most interesting talking point, and yes. when you repeat the question, is typically when you're thinking of the answer while you're yeah. uh, repeating the question. <laughs> well, uh, I'm
1: just giving you an opportunity to not talk about, you know, the 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 hits, the hits, the hits. What what's no, the interesting part?
2: Yeah, it, it's it's funny because as the season has gone along. It, it was so much about the offensive line early on. It was offensive line and wide receivers. That yes. was it. It was Jawan Taylor yep. and wide receivers. It was dropping the ball and Juwan Taylor not being able to line up correctly. It was, <laughs> who's the playmaker and Juwan Taylor is false starting. Like, it's, uh you know, uh, uh Travis Kelsey, is he going to be able to get through the season uh without uh, an injury or uh healthy? And why are the referees picking on Juwan Taylor? Like, yeah. I'm glad that that's behind us, that Juwan Taylor has just the, what, the one penalty in four games now? Oh, it, you... They he have jinxed the him, Jason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had 10 penalties in his first four games. And, he's got, and he's got one penalty the, the last four games. I don't know. Maybe he's doing something completely different than he was earlier in the season, but um, maybe there's a thing at different. No,
1: no, may, Maybe there's not. And maybe Andy Reid pointing out that the yeah. rest of the league does it. And, oh, hey, we had yeah. the same refing crew and we lined them up purposefully. <laughs> right. Out yeah. of alignment. You still didn't call it. Hey, guys. Let's ease up on the yeah. flex on
2: It's like, yeah, uh, did did Juwan Taylor learn his lesson or did the refs eventually sort of yeah. get the message? Yeah. Who, who got the message did. first? Yeah. Regardless, like that that was sort of the beginning of the season. What I think has become an interesting point is the frustration around Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yeah, while he's played like nine snaps the last two weeks. Yeah. He might I, I, Clyde Edwards alaire and Justin Ross. Well Justin Ross especially might be the most talked about chief that actually didn't do anything that hasn't done much that was actually on the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh like uh, Patrick Peterson has been talked about as the chief for a long time. Like Chiefs fans have talked about Patrick Peterson forever. Um but he was never actually on the Chiefs. Ty Law was talked about uh, for a long time that he actually was on the Chiefs and he made that He was pretty good. Uh, yeah. but Justin Ross from the second they signed him as as you know it, it got so much uh airtime and and words that were written about him. But Clyde Ebersolaire, for a guy that's played nine snaps the last two weeks, has a lot of conversation that goes on of people just annoyed when he's in the game and not wanting him on the team, and what's the point of him being there, and all of these things. So um, I find that to be of interest because there's, in one way, it's not a complete and apples to apples, but there's a little McCole Hardman-Clyde Ebersolaire thing going on in, in 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 an odd sense. So last year... I thought McCole Hardman was actually underrated for what he was doing for the reputation that he had because he wasn't DK Metcalf, because, you know, he wasn't Tyreek Hill, um, you know, it, it, the the way the Chiefs were using him, all, all those other stuff. I thought he became underrated with his reputation in town. Then he came back and it was like, oh, remember what McCole Hardman can do? He was fast. That's not what Clyde Everett-Alaire is. Uh, he's not underrated in any way, shape or form. So like I said, it, it isn't apples to apples. Um, but I feel like so much of Clyde Edwards Alaire's frustration is just that he's not a different player. Yeah. They missed. They missed. It's over. There's no going back. You can't go back to the draft and take T. Higgins or Pittman, or if you're gonna take a running back, Taylor. Like you just you can't do it. It's over. It's not Clyde Edwards Edwards fault that, that he got drafted. You know, he didn't choose himself. Injuries have been an issue, and and you know, he had a burst in college. He's got no burst right now uh, in the NFL. But for a guy that's played nine snaps, that's probably one of the more interesting storylines around this team is how frustrated when he's on the team and gets a carry, like the immediate, like oh. even when it's a four, four and a half yard carry, like he yeah. picked up almost five yards. He broke a tackle, spun around, stayed on his feet, picked up another yard and a half. And it's like, get him out of the game. What are you <laughs> doing in the game? Why would I he- say, I
1: think a Pacheco would have taken that for 70 yards if he had the exact same? Yeah, it's burned
2: the man's Jersey. Why would you give I him know. the ball? Right. Like, He's, he's yeah. serving a role. You would like to keep Isaiah Pacheco healthy uh, throughout the season. Um, and quite frankly, Jarek McKinnon doesn't have the burst either. Like, like it's one thing if it's like uh, Edwards Edward is taking carries away, away from Jarek McKinnon who's going to have this huge burst or whatever or Jarek McKinnon that looked like or plays like the, uh, the Bills divisional game when he was just oh. dynamite and he was all over the yeah. field and he was fast and he had the burst and fresh legs and all of that. He just doesn't look like that right now. And that's age it happens. In the NFL. Um but yeah, that that the uh, the discussion around Clyde Edwards alaire I find to be really fascinating because it's continued and it's gonna be healthy for everybody at in the offseason just to go their separate ways.
1: Yeah, absolutely the case. Clyde Edwards Alert is a backup running back, and I know Maddie has said this all the time. If he was drafted in the fifth or the sixth round, mm-hmm. nobody would care. Like they'd just be like, All right, he's yeah. you know, fine. You know, he'd, he'd he'd be getting treated the same way that Darrell Williams was treated when he was yeah, the city chief. Just like, hey, he's fine. Backup running back. It's a good thing we have one of those in case Isaiah Pacheco gets hurt. Right, and don't worry.
2: the ball. I mean, he's yeah. not gonna. Yeah, he's not gonna lose seven yards every time he touches it. You know, he's Correct. not gonna run backwards. You don't want him to have to to run horizontal. You know, down the line of scrimmage or anything. Give him the ball yeah. and try to get vertical as much as you can. Use him those ways, but you know, that's uh, the kind of. You know, the, the problem is is that he was a first round draft pick, and we know he was that a first round draft that pick. pick so they yeah. got hurt and yeah. lost his
1: burst. And yeah. then the Chiefs still insist on using him in outside zone runs, which is also not his forte, running yeah. horizontal. Again, these are all things that we're just saying that aren't Clyde's fault. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah, he is who he is. Yeah, had one carry for four yards uh, mm. against the different yeah. Broncos this week. And I can tell you there were a number of people that were super angry about that four yard
2: run It was yeah. a fine four yard run it was fine. got what was there and totally fine I'll you know what I'll take that four yard run over the Kadarius Tony two yard mm-hmm. loss that i I, I tweeted yeah. about this um you know on Monday Monday night that just I mean it might have been a touchdown like I, I Craig I think if you got the ball I think <laughs> you you would have picked up a first down probably. I mean, you might have scored. I mean, it was just blocked so beautifully up the middle, right off the rear of Trey Smith, mm-hmm. and he just runs right into Joe Tooney's guy. Like, if yeah. he just curls it around Trey Smith, it's blocked from the end zone view. The all-22 is just uh, nauseating uh, to see that and to know that two plays later, they they kick a field goal on fourth and two, and they're down 7-3 instead of it being 7-7. Seven, seven. Like, you know, I'll take that Clyde edwards four-yard run over that minus-two-yard run. Uh, but when Tony's you know now that's the cutesy part of it that's the oh you're getting getting too cute and all of that stuff which is an annoyance all of that stuff um you know that has been talked about but like if Edwards Allaire had the ball there I don't know does he pick up two yards three yards who knows but I know the next play um, uh uh Travis Kelsey picked up 10 yards Mm -hmm. that set up third and two because it was third and 12 and then it set up third and two so yeah if he doesn't lose two yards there you know you're talking about maybe scoring so yeah I'll Sometimes it's okay just to to get uh no gain or one or two yards on a play. It's not minus 2 or minus 3. I I do
1: think it's funny that uh, th- there are a number of people that think that every play is designed to score. Like <laughs> you know like hey, hey we we blocked up this inside zone. It's definitely going to score. No. No, that's that's yeah. not the way it, that's not the way it goes. Also, Jason, I want to let you know, I have no knees anymore. I, I might still be trying to cut back to Trey Smith 24 hours later
2: after the game. So I'm just saying, knowing what I know now, knowing that I I know it's a two-yard loss, and they end up kicking a field goal anyway, I'll take my chances. You'll later. take your chances. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, right. that's That's interesting. Right. It's good that you
1: have that, that level of faith in me. I appreciate <laughs> right. that. Lee 87 asked a question for you here. Would you rather be a Chiefs fan and live in Denver or be a Broncos fan
2: and live in Kansas City? Oh, I'd rather be a – well, I mean, I don't want to live in Denver. I mean, I know it's beautiful, but I love living in Kansas City. Um, I'd say a a Chiefs fan in Denver. Uh, I'd I'd rather be a Chiefs fan in Denver. I don't know what it's like to be a fan of another team, so I'd rather be rooting on the Chiefs in a different city. I've been a Chiefs fan in Louisville, so I mean, I've been a Chiefs fan in Kentucky. There you go. I'm glad I was a Chiefs fan in Louisville when the Bengals were of the Marvin Lewis era, and it was the – they made the playoffs, they'd lose. They made the playoffs, they lose. I would not enjoy living in Louisville right now as a Chiefs fan with how many Bengals fans there are. Oh, um, oh, be, be, so, so, yeah, that that would not be – I don't want to be a Chiefs fan at Cincinnati. Oh, uh, yeah. it would oh, not would be enjoyable to do. It just would be annoying every day. John at the office, the next cubicle over, all the hoo day stuff. And now, no, wouldn't, wouldn't want to do it. But in Denver, yeah, in the last uh, eight years, seven years would have been perfectly fine. living there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I will say being a cheese fan that lives in the Denver area currently, it's, um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't great this week. Like I, I had
2: to take my medicine for certain. So, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, it happened. It happened, man. It's going to happen. Hard. So we talked about it this week. Look, on Sunday Broncos fans and Bengals fans were having their fun. Let them. Yep. I mean, yeah, I mean they had a great weekend. Broncos broke the streak. The Bengals went to San Francisco and won. I mean, we yep. the, the Chiefs fans have had tons of fun weekends. Tons oh, yeah. of fun weekends. It wasn't our weekend. Um we'll see what happens in Germany this weekend. Yeah,
1: yeah, we will. No, I've got my desktop wallpaper. I I made sure is Nick Bolden running back a a touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles last year in the Super Bowl. There could have been Nick Bolden running back a touchdown against the Broncos. Oh, it could have been that it could have been that. But but no, I I left it at that. And somebody walked up and went, Oh, I I suppose you got to take that down now. And I said, Oh, no, you guys won your Super Bowl. We haven't played ours yet so i you know I, you gotta hang it. the banner
2: of, <laughs> yeah we yeah. can't win <laughs> ended a 16 game losing right. streak like that's yeah that's right yeah, throw yeah the, exactly throw that's the great. parade yeah that's awesome like yeah. i don't know no 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 I'm, I'm gonna keep the wallpaper up that doesn't come down this isn't the ncaa that super bowl is gonna stay up there they're not gonna vacate that it's all good it's gonna stay forever yeah um
1: Lee87 asked this as well, and you touched on McKinnon, so you know this this doesn't have to be a big, long thing, but a lot of conversations held about the poor receiver play. Should we be more worried about the McKinnon struggles? He was red zone and clutch time heavy hitter kind of stepped up when the receivers didn't last year, and this year he doesn't seem to be making the same impact. You mentioned that he just doesn't seem to have some of the same burst. Are you concerned about that because they don't have that other kind of tertiary option to go to when things aren't working on the offense?
2: Yeah, I'm concerned because that's sort of the guy that that was going to provide that. So I think there's a concern that way is is part of the Chiefs, you know, stretching the field horizontally and vertically. Like you got to worry, you know, every blade of grass. You got go to go sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone, and without the speed from a running back to really run those outside zones or stretch plays or anything like that, I, I just you know it, it's a concern to not have that, you know dynamism that that the Chiefs have had in years past that McKinnon has had in years past and and it's unfortunate like they've had like Damian Williams was, yeah. first, was fast I mean mm-hmm. that guy was good and I really like Damian Williams and I, I I hate the you know how it ended in Kansas. I wish it was a better ending in Kansas City than the COVID year and drafting Edwards Alaire, and then just sort of unceremoniously like oh Damian Williams is no longer a Chief that sucks he yeah. was awesome and enjoyable and that playoff run was was just nuts and his name's all over the playoff record books Legendary. yeah um so but but he was a guy that had a burst anytime he touched the ball he could go outside in, inside zone he could he could break it and uh, go 90 yards like he did against the vikings um they don't have that guy like like there's not a guy like isaiah Pacheco does a lot of things well running outside is not his strength i mean he's not a guy that's gonna get the speed and get to the outside and mckinnon was a guy that could do that we know edward is definitely not a guy that can do that I don't know. Can P. Ryan do that? You know, can um, uh, the Derrick Prince, they were thinking because he ran a 4-3, but is he quick enough to to get outside as opposed to, yeah, when he turns the corner, he runs a 4-3. Sure. Okay, great. But but can he be fast enough to turn the corner against NFL players that might have an angle on him? Uh, that I, I don't know, but uh, they clearly didn't think it was good enough to give him a chance, you know, to, to run the ball just to see if he could even do something like that. So I don't know. I just, the issue with McKinnon is that they don't have that guy and he's sort of the one that would fill that role.
1: And I do think that, you know, to your point earlier, it's like being able to rely on that guy through a stretch there while the wide receivers got it figured out, while defenses were trying to take away Travis Kelsey, or bracketing Juju a little bit at times. You know, again, Juju Smith-Schuster, another guy that will be perennially underrated from last year's squad. I think people just saw him as, as a jag, you know. Oh, well, he didn't. He didn't put up a thousand yards, so he was just a, no. He made that offense go, yeah. but Jarek McKinnon did as well. And that that stretch of time there, where they got in the red zone and just went, "Hey, we're going to be able to, you know, rotate through the options, yes. dump it down to Jarek McKinnon, and guess what? Hey, it's six. You know, the score. We're not. Yeah, we're not seeing that as much yeah. anymore. And defenses don't have to respect that, and so they're just kind of ignoring it. So, I wonder if at some point. Andy Reid's gonna, you know, blow off the, you know, the the playbook again and just say, hey, listen, I know that he doesn't have the same burst, but he's got the ability to make guys mm-hmm. miss the space on on occasion. Maybe yeah. we get into that a little bit more because the red zone woes are
2: yikes right now. Yeah. Like they are just not a good football team in the red well, zone. Well, and dude. and yeah. they had two. I mean, their their third down plays that they had in the red zone, the first two third down plays they had in the red zone, the third and two when they ran the shovel pass. And yep. then the third and two, when they had that, you know, outside throw to, to Jarek McKinnon that we're just talking about, I mean, both of them just, you know, weren't executed well, whether the, yep. the shovel pass, you can look at a couple of different things, but on that uh, swing pass to Jarek McKinnon, it was just Rasheed Rice, missed a Block. Yep. I mean, that happens, but it's, it's also, probably six. If he gets yeah, that block too, that's the, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's there, but it's also the risk you run when you run out wide like that is yep. that one missed block. All of a sudden, it's a negative three yard play, and you're going. Why don't you just run it up the middle and and you know run it twice with Pacheco up the middle on third and two? You're going to pick up a first down instead. Now you lost three, and you're kicking a field goal because you're getting cute. And it's like, yeah, you can call it cute, but also the players are expected to execute, and Rasheed Rice is expected to go and 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 block a guy. And they wouldn't call the play if they didn't believe that Rasheed Rice could make that block. They called the play. He didn't get it done. Hopefully, he gets it done next time. Um, and if he does, maybe you know it's against the Dolphins and they turn the corner and pick up six. Maybe it's against the Bengals, he turns the corner and, and scores. You know, yeah. or the Bills or something like that, to where it's a touchdown. It's like okay, it was executed, it wasn't executed well against Denver, might have cost you a game, but it was executed in this one because of you know whatever happened then. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's cute when it um, when it doesn't work, um, but uh, but it's a nice play call when it does. And it it's funny because uh, the.
1: Screenplay that they executed against the Chargers last week was phenomenal. I like again, that's a very ticky-tack call on Joe Tooney preventing Jarek McKinnon from from having a touchdown, a very long touchdown to his name on that play. So yep. I do think that it's still there that they're going to get into it, but it is probably the one thing that I can point to that they can move to with this yep. offense and try and you know try and get some things going in the red.
2: Well, so, yeah. I mean that first drive um uh, against the the Broncos on Sunday I mean McKinnon almost had uh, almost, uh, almost had like an 80 yard play because yeah. on that third down when Mahomes rolled to the right and then he sort of slipped and and like it looked like he locked his knee or something and lost his balance and then he just threw it away there was nobody around McKinnon for like 15 yards and the yeah. only person between McKinnon and the end zone was I believe It wasn't Justin Watson because Watson was in front of McKinnon. So it might have been MBS. It was a receiver and a Broncos defender behind McKinnon. That was it. And I think if Mahomes doesn't sort of slip and lose his balance and then see the guy in front of him and just throw it away, I think he sees McKinnon coming open and there's nobody by him. And we might be talking about something different. Hey, McKinnon break for another one against the Broncos. Yeah. It didn't happen. And that's the NFL. Like split seconds can be the difference between an 80-yard play or it's a throwaway on third down and you're punting and a 31-yard punt return happens right after that. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's it's just, unfortunately, the way that things break. Speaking of breaks, we're going to take one. We will be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. I personally have been talking to somebody for a few years now and it's amazing how much better you'll feel by learning more about yourself through it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash KCSN. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Halloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil or trouble, Manscaped is all new, handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treats this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off, plus free shipping. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code KCSN. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from
3: Manscaped. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, we are back with 21 questions. I am here with Jason Anderson. We're so happy to have him here. Let's get right back into the KCSN Discord here. Moneyish says, "Given it, it's Craig and I like defense, these are these are facts. Uh who on the defensive line are you looking to see have a big game next week against the Miami
2: Dolphins, Jason?" Um who? I'd like to yeah. see Minnahan have a big game. Um, this is one to where the Dolphins can hit you with the big plays, and they can hit you with the running game. So it's not just a throw the ball deep, throw the ball deep all day. Uh, hit you with the other with I think Minahu who can you know, set the edge and stop the run, and he can get after the passer. But um, the defensive line has a lot on their plate this week. I think it's easy to go Chris Jones, right? I mean, I, I, oh yeah, obviously oh, Chris course. Jones would be the one. If somebody has a monster day, who would you want it to be? Chris Jones because he can wreck an entire game, so many different ways. Chris Jones has a monster game as opposed to Derek Naughty having a monster day, like those are two different things. Like, Chris, I'm here for a Derek Naughty monster game, though. Don't get me wrong, I'm here (laughs) for it. But Derek Derek Naughty monster game might be a sack and a half and two tackles for loss. Chris Jones monster game might be four sacks, you know, a patch batted (laughs) down, a forced fumble. You know, a fumble recovery, three tackles for loss, and just like uh, three different drives he stopped in the game. Like so, different levels of of uh, you know great games of those guys. But but Amidu, because um, Chris Jones at expected level, what George Karloftis has been doing certainly is an increased level of play and carrying over from what he did at the at uh, the end of last year. Um, Amidu got you know got in there after the quarterback again, and they've been doing that. I mean, eleven sacks in the last two games. They had another what seven or eight tackles for loss. I think seven tackles for loss, eight quarterback hits, and that's what they have to do against Tua. So yeah. that defensive line, I'm going to go with uh with Aminu who with Chris Jones in the middle and George Karloft is sort of doing his thing. I'll I'll go Aminu. Uh or even Dana. I may go uh, Yeah, I may go Dana as well, those two guys. I was going to say I, I I was tempted to go Dana. Uh I
1: think I'm going to go Karloftis just because, you know, uh, Kendall Lamb is the left tackle right now, now Teron Armstead may be back, uh, reportedly flying to Germany with Miami right now, but uh, you know, George Karloftis, again, not getting a whole bunch of super quick wins, but the Kansas City Chiefs are so good with their coverage unit right now, they need that guy that wins on those second effort plays, that transitions into that second rush move, can get in the backfield, and George Karloftis has really come into his Mm own doing that, utilizing his hands, working with Tom Bahali has paid off in a big way for disengaging from blockers, getting there later in the rep. That's really good. So I'll go with George Karloftis there. But, yep. man, yeah, Charles, I'm into huge Like, man, it—it it is fun to be a Chiefs fan and watch this defensive line right now because it, it, they've got it coming from pretty much everywhere now. Yep. So much so that they've got a first round draft pick that's still racking up pressures. Don't get me wrong, like Felix 2K <laughs> Uzama is still racking up pressures, but they don't need him. They don't need him yeah. to step into that role. They can groom him and turn him into the player that they know that they can get yeah. with him, with Joe Cullen. So I, I'm really excited about the defensive line just as as a whole, right? Yeah, I know, I know that most of the talk this week is offense, at, but my goodness, this defensive yeah. line and this defense is so
2: well it it, it's crazy just how much the offense drives the conversation because when the chiefs are really good it's a lot about how good the offense is right and why isn't the defense better the offense it's awesome why isn't the defense better but the awesome offense is awesome and Patrick Mahomes and they'll lead you to a super bowl this year the offense is struggling the defense is awesome and it's like yeah the defense is good but why is the offense struggling let's talk about the offense and how they can get better and why they're struggling um you know it's uh, the the defense is just so good and I I have no problem continuing to give them their flowers because they've been dynamite. And this one's going to be an amazing matchup because the Chiefs have given up the fewest explosive plays in the league against a team that lives off explosive plays. And while the Dolphins haven't given up a ton of sacks this year, nine of those sacks they've given up have been against Buffalo and Philadelphia, yeah. Yeah. teams that can get after the quarterback. So, yeah, that's, that. if you're talking about strength versus strength, those are, you know... At least pebbles on the uh, weight scale on the Chiefs side of being able to sack the quarterback against the team that the two teams they've gone up against that can really sack the quarterback they couldn't keep Tua upright and they didn't score many points in those yes. games either. So, um so we'll see. And and the Chiefs haven't been given up explosive plays. So it's a, yes. the, how Spags approaches this one's going to be fascinating. But that D line is going to have a lot on their plate because the secondary's got a lot on their plate. Yes, for sure. And
1: I think the part that matters the most, we we've seen Andy Reid maybe go vanilla when he has to face you know potential playoff opponents, and I I can see that happening. Maybe less so after dropping one to Denver. You know who doesn't do that? Steve Spagnolo. Like he, he's gonna just be throwing it all out there and knowing that his guys need to step up against a really good offense. So I. I have these moments where I think, you know, listen, what what if Andy goes completely conservative? What if it's vanilla? What if he knows, hey, listen, we're going to see these guys again in the playoffs. That's fine. Let's keep everything close to the vest. And then I think about the strength on strength and got to knock myself even as the defensive guy, I got to knock myself into that old line of thinking where it's like, oh, if the offense isn't going to be putting off the best effort, man, maybe this doesn't go the Chiefs way. No, they can they can still win this with yeah. the defense. They just got to play really well. Now, offense has got to not turn it over five times. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. So, Casey from Casey asked this question Who, if anyone, would you consider adding to the defense at this point, whether it be a trade deadline thing? Uh, Carlos Dunlap is still out there, and Dominican Sue is still out there. Is there anything like that? Is there anybody that you see that you'd be like, man, let's go ahead and
2: add somebody to this defense and continue to make this a strength? I mean, I'm not sure, like, because it's always like the, you know, the, um, how much it costs to acquire that person, yeah. you know, like, uh, if you are, are you bringing in Brian Burns, you know, like, well, yeah, well, yeah a lot I to mean, to yeah. in <laughs> uh, <laughs> or are you going and getting that guy? Like, uh, I don't know. Are you, uh, going and grabbing Kevin Bayard from the uh, Titans like the Eagles did, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there are some guys out there, but, if the chiefs are going to go and, and make any moves in the, uh, you know, in the next day or so, or what we're had making moves whenever this comes out. Yeah. Um, I- I'm not sure it's going to be on the defensive side. And so it's weird that in a year that, or just weird in general, that we're talking about a team with Patrick Mahomes and I'm not looking around and going, God, if they could get that defensive player, if you could add <laughs> that defensive player, can you add this defensive player? Oh man, can you just bring back this guy? And, what would this defense look like with Derek Johnson? Oh man, just oh, oh. Man, add Jared Allen to this defense. Like LEO is oh man, Jamal Charles on this offense, which by the way, that, 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 does oh, that sense. would, that would do it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would do it. I, I do have to, to cool off thinking of Jamal Charles. Yeah. And yeah, that would, that would be, scary. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh but, but like defensively, like there aren't many names that I'm looking around for um, just simply because of the guys that they have now. Willie Gay, if he's out for an extended period of time or something like that, then yeah, I think you might need to start. And, you know, Ben Neiman isn't exactly the name that, um, you know, gets people excited. But he's a guy that knows the system and has been around um, and who's out there that you can go out and acquire anyway. So, I mean, it was such a bad game against the Broncos that even the defensive play that they got a turnover, Willie Gay gets hurt in recovering a fumble. Yes, he gets hurt recovering a fumble. Like uh, that was the last time we saw him in the game was when he slid down and recovered the fumble on Russell Wilson right before half. Like yeah. I mean that the, the I mean, like of course that's that that, that crappy of a game that Willie Gaines yeah. lost when he was recovering a fumble. So yeah.
1: yeah, yeah that's that's how bad it goes that one of the biggest bright spots for the team in general on the day was yeah. was That it only would have been worse if like Justin Reed would have gotten hurt blocking that kick or something (laughs) like that. You know, like it's just, gosh, God, such a bad taste in my mouth for that one. All right. Positive toasty besides Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, who is the best skill position player on this offense right now? Rashi That's a loaded one.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I'm there too. But yeah. Rice. Yeah. i It was, was right for Pacheco. It was right. Yeah. I, was, I was trying to, I was racking my brain of like Rice, Pacheco, Pacheco, Rice, Rice, Pacheco. Um, I'm going to go Rashi Rice, maybe because I see Pacheco. I, I've seen what he can do. I have an idea of the player that he is right now. And there's still improvement that can be there for Isaiah Pacheco. Um, thinking of how good Rasheed Rice can be, and and once he sort of you know figures some other things out, uh, yeah, I, th- that play on Sunday where you know could have been a minimal gain and just the small little jab or stud out, yep. and then beats the linebacker to the sideline and then cuts it up was like, okay, that's not just a guy that's gonna run through safeties, or he's good after the catch because. He's tough to tackle, and and you know he's two hundred and ten pounds, and you know he's a tough, hard runner. Like, well, no, that showed speed to to beat a, a an angle and to get around the edge, and and the footwork to be able to slide past the defender while tiptoeing the sideline. Um, yeah, and Mahomes is looking to him more and more. The drop wasn't great uh, against the Broncos, but it also didn't hurt him because the Chiefs picked up a first down like two plays later, um, and uh, they got down into uh, into the red zone or whatever. Um, so it wasn't like that was the third down drop and it's like, well, now you punted it and who knows what would have happened then. Um, but, but yeah, he'd he him to, to, to catch everything. And he's pretty much catching almost everything thrown his way as opposed to some of the other receivers. So I'm going to say Rasheed Rice is the best skill position player for what I think these uh, next four years this year and the next uh, three years can be with him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you looking into the future, I, I think that that's clearly number one.
1: I mean, He he might already be slotting into like a high end wide receiver two like career path. And that's incredible. Like you get a guy like that in the second round, that's phenomenal. Like absolutely. They still need maybe a wide receiver one type, but for now that's Travis Kelsey. And that's fine. You know exactly. You you can you can operate that way. But I I, yeah, that's clearly the path going forward. If I'm looking at this right now in a vacuum and not thinking of future years. I kind of got to throw Justin Watson's name his his hat in the ring yeah. there, and that is not something that you would have caught me dead saying eight years no. ago. Like uh, not at all. And he's been he's just been a guy that Patrick Mahomes trusts. He is consistent. He's out there. He's making plays. The catch he made against the sideline that, yeah that was a phenomenal play that he made this weekend here. I know that his stat numbers are never going to be high because he's going to be more of a high-variance player, operating on the vertical plane and things like that. But we have a direct comparison between him and Marquez Valdez-Gantling
2: right now, and boy, I know which one I'd rather have on the field at the moment. Yeah, not close. Not close. Um, Right now, yeah. I mean, that play on the sideline was just an incredibly high-level football play. The throw from Mahomes on the run... To the catch by Justin Watson is just you know as good as it gets at, at that level. I mean, just you got to have a quarterback that can make that play, and you got to have a wide receiver that can get there and they get the feet down while catching the ball. It was uh, yeah, it was a great play, and Mahomes has the trust there, and the trust is earned because Watson is catching the ball when it's not his way. Um, so yeah, I put him in the mix. Um, uh, but but uh, Rasheed Rice, Pacheco, and then I think there's a conversation for third at that point. Yeah yeah yeah, there definitely is. All right. We got one here from Chief
1: Golden Colorado. So things are happening that have never happened in the Mahomes era. Losing to the Broncos, that's the first one there. No 100-yard wide receiver games, that's the second one. And the defense is playing lights out. (laughs) So should we be concerned about this iteration of the Chiefs because it's so starkly
2: different than it ever has been under Patrick Mahomes? It's interesting. Um, and. Just the 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 best part of that though is is how good the defense is, right? Yeah. The the worst part is well, you don't want to lose to the Broncos, uh, right? And <laughs> and the, and the, the no one hundred yard wide receiver game is is qualified by the wide receiver, so it's not like there's no there there hasn't been a one hundred yard pass catcher for the Chiefs this year. There's been Travis Kelsey who's had a couple of hundred yards Correct. in the first half, so he yes. still has that going for him. Uh, but how good the defense is. I don't know that I'll. I don't know that I'll ever be able to adjust to a team that might be. Well, you know, the Chiefs are sort of sixth or seventh best offense in the league, but the defense is like second or third. Like, yeah, that would be weird if I had to take it as opposed to the Chiefs, the number one offense and the defense, like 18th. I would choose that. I would choose the Chiefs, with sixth or seventh in the offense or uh, the, the defense, uh, second. You know, I would. I would choose that uh, that way of uh, breaking the team down. But it is just weird watching a game and going the offense you know, the, the, the defense couldn't overcome how bad the offense was in this game. And that is very nineties football for the chiefs uh, to say, yeah, uh, we don't say that very often in a uh, Patrick Mahomes led team, but that was against the Broncos. The, uh, the, the defense couldn't overcome how bad the offense was, even though they did their part as much as they could two of those turnovers, they got right back, um, uh-huh. in a fumble and a turnover on downs. Like they, they did their part. Um, so yeah, it's a fascinating that we're talking about that um that defense like that but yeah so it's, 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 weird. Weird. it's, it's weird. like marty ball a yeah. bit except right. your
1: offense is still top 5 like that's the other part of this we we spend <laughs> so we exert so much effort into the fact that yeah. the yeah. offense isn't there the receivers are terrible this is not happening the way and they're a top 5 offense and yeah. you know it but it's it just speaks to the level of execution as it stands right now Th- this team is winning games a lot closer than they should because we sit there and we say, oh man, oh that's a miss. Either Mm -hmm. you know that's a miss by Patrick Mahomes. That's a drop by a receiver. That's a miss block by this. You know, we we get a lot more granular. This is what normal teams feel like, everybody. (laughs) This is this is what supporting an NFL team feels like is being a lot more granular with the complaints, with the things that need to happen. It's not as easy as it has been where you just kind of Lift the rug, sweep underneath it, and say, "Well, at least we've got Patrick Lavon Mahomes on our team there." So it's it's
2: it's hard to complain. Team's got two rings, but here's where it is. Yeah, and there's I mean they're still top five in the DVOA in all three categories. Even absolutely game. So they're still top five, all three. So uh, somehow they they remain. But you know there there are worse things in the world than uh, watching a six and two team that uh, Patrick Mahomes really hasn't played all that great this year No. Um, and the offense is still sort of figuring it out while the defense is playing phenomenal football yeah okay this is the last question here i'm going to i'm going to put you on the spot
1: oh, okay. the over under here grace jasper says set the over under for Tyreek hill receiving yards against the kansas city chiefs and i am going to set the line right now giving again this is giving some favor to the Kansas City Chiefs, I I could go look what it is, but I'm not right now. I'm going to set the line at 75 and a half yards receiving. Jason, what do you think, over or under?
2: I'll go over on that one. Uh, yeah. I think um, <laughs> I think this is a game. Uh, I, I would I I would put Tyreek probably in triple digits in this game. Um, and it and it may not be like, well, he had a 70 yard reception. I think it might be a. Here's eight catches and a bunch of ten and twelve yard, you know, plays along the way. There might be one big one because it's Tyreek Hill. Like you never sure. know. Like he's just next level fast. But I think this is a game that Tyreek has had on the calendar. You know, he he wants to play well against the Chiefs, and I think it's a game where Mike McDaniel, um, you know, pulls out, uh, goes into his bag of uh, Tyreek Hill tricks, and and pulls a few of those out and 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 puts them out there. Some unscouted things with Tyreek Hill against the Chiefs. I, I think there's going to be a few plays. So I I think this is one to where, while Tyreek Hill is at it, I mean, he's pacing for 2,200 yards receiving this year. It's uh, so, He is insane. insane. <laughs> um, so it, I mean, it, it's hard to say, well, I mean, I don't know that he's going to get 100 yards in a game when he's pacing and, and, and averaging more than 100 yards per game. <laughs> pacing for, you know, 100 plus per game. And the fact that it's the Chiefs. Um, if Tyreek Hill, honestly, if Tyreek Hill is right around seventy, then um, then yeah, I I think it'd be tough to see how the Dolphins win. Uh, I think I think Tyreek needs to have a big game for the Dolphins to win in this game because the Chiefs have an advantage their offense against the Dolphins defense, and if Tyreek Hill is limited, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Limited to the most receiving yards of any Chiefs receiver has had this Correct. year of just being Correct. around 70 to, to 75 yes. yards. If he's just limited to that, uh, then, yeah, I think the Chiefs defense has done pretty well. Uh, and that would be an issue for the uh, Dolphins. But I think he's going to get to triple digits.
1: Yeah, I, I I debated going a little bit higher with that. Again, yeah. looking at, looking at the, his low numbers here, week two against New England. He went for 40 yards, uh, week four against Buffalo. He went for 58, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. Went for 88 against Philadelphia. Those are the only,
2: yeah, only games, but that you he know, what? those has been under 100. But yeah, but but what would have in common is not even. I mean, trying to think of their schedule right now. Those would be the three best defenses they played, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if that's yeah. Patriots, Eagles, Bills. Yeah. you know. So if I you're looking you, at the best defenses they played, oh, they've yeah, done easily. a pretty damn good job against Tyreek Hill. So maybe I don't know. Maybe I say, I still think the whole, um, you know, Mike yeah. Daniel Tyreek Hill against the Chiefs. I, I still think that might be a little bit different. Um, but that is really interesting looking at the game log specifically against those particular defenses. Yeah, yeah and also those were, the, those were defenses those that were, were in the backfield uh, most of the yeah. day on on Tua sacked him like what ten times in those uh, in those games. Absolutely.
1: So. Uh, the The second New England game was only. Again, only 112 yards. The only oh, that was this past weekend, years. right? That exactly. was that was his
2: past weekend. Yeah. yeah, and that game was a lot closer than it needed to be and, for a little while there. Well, it really and it was it was 112 yards that he had, but it was a 60 yard touchdown. Yes. So guess what? And that and that's sort of what you get into with Tyreek Hill. Like if you can limit that, can you limit his overall um, impact on the game? And clearly, the Eagles, the Bills, and the Patriots the first go around did that by limiting they didn't give up the big play the Patriots this go-around did and he has 112 yards receiving so you know you you, you make the Dolphins have nine and ten play drives to score and if they do then they do but I think with that offensive line um that that uh, nine and ten play drives will not be beneficial for the Dolphins I don't think so either I also think Mike McDaniel gets a little antsy
1: when when he has to get that far into his bag he's he's Hunting for explosive place and is very creative with them. I gosh, I love. I I would hate to be Steve Fagnolo this week, but I love watching. Yeah, Ryan McDaniel's offense. Like it, it is so fun to see all the crazy motions and crazy you know things that they do and put so much on the plate of the defense there. But yeah, if you if you force them into, hey, you've got to be. Four yards in a cloud of dust all game long,
2: that that's bad news for him, man. Just- I mean, the Chiefs are playing the Chiefs. I think the highest rate of early down too high in the league right now. Yeah, um, at like almost fifty percent of early downs are playing too high. So I mean, they're able to do that. I mean, look, uh, uh, Steve Spagnuolo's teams are never going to be you know uh, amazing against the run. They're they're just not. But uh, how much is Mike McDaniel? And I know it's a Shanahan offense, so it's uh, run based and things like that. But how much is Mike McDaniel with Waddle? And obviously Tyreek Hill going to want to say, well, let's just give it to Mostert and Wilson. Let's just keep giving it to Mostert and Wilson because that's what's working. And you know what? We don't need to drop to a back in a five and seven step drop. Uh, Let's just keep Mostert and Wilson over and over again to pick up four and five yards. And let's just do that all the way down the field. Andy Reid can't do that. So I don't know that Mike McDaniel can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't let Mostert get free. That's that's all you got to do. And that's the thing, right, is because, you know, you keep giving it to him over and over again. He could break one. I mean, all of a sudden, now you're talking about mostert with a forty or fifty. Uh-huh. But yeah, those are those are certainly things to worry about. But yeah, I think uh, uh, I, I think I, w- I would be I'd be shocked if Mike McDaniel was just sitting there going, "Yeah, cool. We'll just throw um, we'll just throw body punches uh, throughout the game, and if we end up winning on points at the end, no big deal. We don't need a knockout, and I don't care yeah. about you know. We can win by decision in after twelve rounds. I don't know that Mike McDaniel wants to win by decision after twelve rounds against the Chiefs. Um, if it if it means the whole game is just sort of methodical body blows and he's not out there just swinging right. and trying to lay haymakers,
1: yeah, I don't think that Mike McDaniel's had enough success to where he to the toying with his food level <laughs> face yeah. of of NFL yeah. coaching. So, all right, that's going to do it for this edition of Twenty One Questions. I really thank Jason Anderson for joining me. Really appreciate you jumping on with me for this. This is a lot of fun. If you are not a subscriber to KCSN, get in there, get subscribed, you get access to the KCSN Discord. You can ask questions on this very podcast and get in, try and get your questions answered by the likes of Jason Anderson himself here. So, yeah, yeah, big big prize that you have there. So, yeah, huge prize. So, uh, for Jason Anderson, I am Craig Stout. Thank you all so much for listening. Be kind to each other, and we will catch you later.